And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Getting the podcast in just before the start of the weekend. Uh, and I'm doing this one with uh, one of my favorite colleagues to podcast with, especially now that Ben Standing is is on vacation and chilling in L.A. and just hanging out and living the life right now. Went to a Dodgers game last night, and uh, and now I've got someone who's uh, also wonderful and who I work with and who's coming on to talk Wizards with me. One of one of one of the national people who who I constantly joke with that hey you know why are you wasting your time watching the Wizards and yet you're doing it. It's Dave Dufour. Well, I mean, I haven't had to watch the Wizards for a few weeks now, though. So you know that's why I watch the Wizards because I know at some point I'm Come not going to be able to. We we all know that you're sitting down, synergy called up on the iPad. You're watching pick and roll breakdowns, not even of current wizards. You're watching pick and roll breakdowns of like George Marison. Oh yeah, I mean, I, look, I'll tell you right now, Calvert Cheney is all over my desktop screen. <laughs> Tom Gugliotta, yeah, I'm I'm all over all that stuff. Um, I am glad though that that like. Uh, I've painted myself as this guy who just is uh, watching tape all day. That's pretty good. I, I like that. I like that. Uh, that mystique. I, yeah. I don't think you've painted yourself as that. I just kind of assume that is what you are. I don't think. I don't think it's a painting. I think it's more just a snapshot of reality. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I assume- certainly watch too much tape. Let's just. Uh, I'll leave it at that. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not watching twelve hours a day, especially now during the playoffs. But. I think generally I, I watch an unhealthy amount of basketball. That's uh, that's what the Dave DeFore documentary is going to be. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be called Too Much Tape. It's gonna <laughs> well, be that's going to be about my life, though. It's like held together with too much duct tape. That's uh, it's going to the opening. The opening scene is going to be you sitting down. Your your face is going to be two inches from your laptop, and on the screen will just be a slow mo replay, zoomed in on Anthony Tolliver's feet studying his footwork guarding Spain pick and rolls. Oh god. It's going to be it's going to be an an engrossing opening scene. Yeah, but when I go to describe that, I will not call it a Spain pick and roll because it's unimportant. <laughs> right? Like that's, that's true. Let's, let's, you got to keep things yeah. conversational. That's right. That's right. Spain pick and roll. What is that? Sounds spicy. <laughs> All right. So today, I, the reason I wanted to have you on is because I think, uh, well, I, I love having you on the pod, sure. but also because I, I, I think you'll be good for this topic. This is something that I've wanted to talk about in two consecutive podcasts, but we've had actual news and haven't actually been able to to get to the topic. And I think it's actually kind of perfect to talk about Bradley Beal in this fashion now that the Team USA rosters are are completely out. Something that I've I thought from a Wizards perspective is really a really interesting Wizards angle, even with especially with the Wizards actually out of the playoffs uh, during this postseason is. So Bradley Beal makes All NBA, 
which is something we haven't really talked about in the podcast yet because we rushed out with all the Scott Brooks news last week, and that obviously took precedence. Beal makes All-NBA, which which says that the voters deemed him. I voted for him as All-NBA. Mm-hmm. So I th- obviously thought he deserved it. But making All-NBA says the, the voters deem you as a top 15, having a top 15 season. Maybe not a top 15 player, but having a top 15 season. And I deem him as, I, I, I believe he had a top 15 season. I think he had a great year this year. Uh, what I'm curious about is... And, and, and Ben Standig kind of kind of got this topic chopping around in my head. And, and by the way, Beal is on the Olympic team. You look at the roster, he could start on, on Team USA. I mean, it's really plausible that he ends up starting. I mean, he is, he's getting all the accolades of a top 15 player. But when, you know, they do like ESPN NBA rank at the beginning of every season, in terms of perception, in terms of the way we actually do the analysis in conversation in a bar room, I, I am so, I'm wondering where Beal is going to be because the, the story of this playoffs has kind of been the breakout performances of all these guards, right? Yeah. It's, it, it, is, it is Devin Booker's coming out party. It's Trey Young's coming out party. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, I know the Jazz flamed out, and they should not have lost two straight with Kawhi Hurt during the Western Conference semis and, and lost in six to the Clippers. That just never should have happened. But Donovan Mitchell, while playing Hurt, was really good that whole playoff run. And, and those are guys who did not make All-NBA at the same position as Beal. But I think from a perception standpoint, you know, Booker and, and Trey Young be leading their teams to the conference finals. And both of them at the time of us recording this thing on Friday afternoon, both of them have series leads as well. Uh, you know, it's it is uh, I just I wonder where Beal is going to fall in the perception of like who the best guards are in the NBA at this point. You know, it's a good it's a good question because I mean he led the league in scoring. Well, it was second in scoring, and he's been a thirty point a game guy now like two years. I mean, I feel like he's like in that tier two of player. Um, and amongst guards, you know, God, he's got to be top six for sure, top eight definitely. You know, you put James Harden, Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving. Definitely, Dame. Dame are definitely above him, I would say. And then there's a debate as to whether Bradley Beal maybe comes next, I think. Um, he's really good, number one. The, the scoring is very like in-your-face and apparent. It's the other stuff that he's grown at, the playmaking. I, I still, I, I still want to see him you know, bump that defense up a notch, but... None of those other guys are, are really defending. I mean, Steph Curry is probably the best defender in that group from a night in, night out basis. Um, and then, and then I'm just like you looking at the USA team, and, and I'm thinking he's going to start for a gold medal winner. I think that that's that's something like that lets you know who that guy is. Yeah. So let's go through this. Let's let let's. Let's try to determine Beal's Team USA role. So, so they announced Team USA earlier this week. Uh, this is going to be a very Beal-centric podcast. Mm-hmm. They announced Team USA earlier this week. Uh, I'm just going to read off the 12 guys in case people didn't, didn't see it or don't know them off the top of their head because who the hell would know that? Uh, alphabetical order. Okay. Bam Adebayo. Bam is one of really only two 
conventional bigs, by the way, on this team, along with Kevin Love. Uh, Bam Adebayo, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, which I can't believe Durant is playing. I can't believe Kevin Love is playing. I know. Jeremy Grant, (laughs) uh, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Zach Levine, Damian Lillard, Kevin Love, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum. My hottest take on all of this is that it sounds like Harden just wasn't going to play with the injury stuff he was going through, Mm -hmm. and and they threw on Jeremy Grant. And my hottest take from all of this is that this team is better with Jeremy Grant than it is with the same roster and James Harden there instead of Jeremy Grant. Um, what what is uh, what is your reaction? Which, by the way, is because I, I just there's so many guys who go out and get their own bucket, and there are so many passers on that team already. It's like get somebody who's really long and can defend multiple positions and hit a catch and shoot three, uh, and he can just be like Denver Jeremy Grant on this roster. But uh, what is uh what is your reaction and where Beal falls in there? Because I, I I guess you're you're gonna you're gonna have like an open competition at the two probably between Beal and and Booker and I I imagine unless maybe you start Drew Holiday at the two, uh, I imagine you know I'm assuming Dame is starting at the one and and, and I imagine uh, you know Beal has a really good chance to be a starter on that team. I mean I think he I think he's gonna start. Uh, um. I don't. I don't see how they they don't start him. And I mean, his game in the international game is going to be wow. Without the ability to be physical up top in the way that you can in the NBA, and with all those guys around him, this is this will be some of the easiest basketball he's ever played. And I'm curious. I mean, like he's such a good shooter that I wonder if they don't have him spotting up a lot instead of you know having to create off the dribble. This would be like a nice little vacation for him, I think. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's going to be a little bit more 2016 Bradley Beal. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the reason he's really good on this team and the reason why I think he'd be really good in the starting lineup, honestly, over over a booker, I think there's there's a good argument that Beal is a better is the best off-ball cutter of any star star perimeter player in the league. Mm-hmm. I think you can make that argument. I mean, Clay Thompson, right up there. Curry, obviously. And, and if you want to include shooting ability as part of your cutting because it adds to the danger, then, then Curry and Thompson would, would be ahead of him. But in terms of just intuition, when you're cutting intuition, running around screens, I mean, Beal is just, I, I, I think you could argue it's, it's literally the best part of his offensive game. Um, he is going to be a monster like that and if they start say Durant and Tatum at the three and four on the wings uh, and then you start Bam out there I mean with Bam setting screens for him and stuff you could just have Beal endlessly running around screens for 20 minutes a game in the starting lineup with you know Tatum and Durant and Lillard all actually handling more than him and his offensive impact could be you know ridiculous yeah I think that we're going to see just like how powerful he could be with a little bit more off ball, you know, in his, in his, you know, NBA life. And I'm curious if that, if that drives the, you know, if the next coach can look at the tape from USA basketball and say, Oh, you know, maybe we can use Bradley Beal a little bit off the ball. I don't, I don't know how that's going to work and and how that might influence him, but man, he's going to eat. 
<laughs> I, I don't think there's any question about that. Like the guy can score from anywhere, and now you're going to put him on the court with you know four other guys who can actually play. Bradley Beal is going to have a coming out party, I think, at the Olympics. Because there's a lot of people that, that, like you mentioned, just didn't watch the Wizards and have no idea how good this guy has gotten. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, so let's let's go back to this then. Let's go back to the original premise of this entire podcast. I'm going to read this off really quick. I'm going to violate the uh, Dave DeFore rule of thumb, which is I'm going to read off numbers on a podcast. Oh, no. Um, so Donovan Mitchell in 10 playoff games averaged in a very efficient 32 points, six assists, and four rebounds. Trey Young in 13 playoff games, has averaged 31, 11, and 3. And Devin Booker, my screen is rebooting now. Here we go. Devin Booker is averaging 26, 7, and 5 in the playoffs. Seven boards and five assists in the playoffs. Uh, and and has always has also been quite efficient. Uh, and, and by the way, shooting 94% from the line as well. Those guys, along with Beal, where do you consider Beal amongst those guys, especially in comparison to Booker, who is also on the Team USA roster and is somebody who I think you could you could justify, uh, you know, starting at the two as well. And is and and honestly, I I, I kind of think Booker and Beal are are the two guys. Like to me, Booker is the most similar guy to Beal in the league in terms of ability, in terms of production, in terms of style and demeanor, and 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 uh, and just kind of the way the way they play, the parts of the game in which they they thrive. They're off the you know their mid range step backs are so similar, and and their off the dribble two point games are very similar as well, and uh, their shooting strokes are, are are almost reminiscent of each other. Uh, kind of the, the their processes are very similar comfort spots on the floor, all of that. Like to me, Booker versus Beal is a really interesting conversation. And obviously there's a little bit of an age gap. Beal is three years older. Um, where do you feel like Beal falls amongst those guys? Cause, cause to me, when you say tier two, I think tier one and I think Harden, Curry and Dame. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I guess Luca as well. And 
Although I think Luca has a better argument as as a forward than than other people say because he he really doesn't guard opposing point guards all the time, uh, like you know like a Curry would do or something. Um, but even so, like that to me that is that is a tier one, and then we're getting down to the Beals, the Bookers. You know, to me these guys are all all that tier two that you mentioned. Where do you feel like Beal falls in this? I think he's right there uh, in that in that tier two. I would put him slightly ahead of Booker and and Trey Young, um, although not far. To be honest with you, I, I, that that says more about Booker and Trey Young than it does Bradley Beal. I think if you watch the way that those guys have, in particular, have played in the playoffs and seeing their growth, I mean, Trey Young can be the best guy on a title team. I think, like I can, I could actually watch and and see that happen. In real time, I don't know if Beal can do that yet, um, and and Booker, I think you could say, all right, yeah, this Suns team could totally win the title this year, and and he's been their best player. Beal just hasn't had bodies around him the way that these two guys just got this season. You know, if you put Beal in the place of those two, I don't think either team takes a drastic drop off. Maybe Atlanta because they do rely so much on on Trey's passing creativity. And innate ability to get guys going, and so maybe he's a guy that you couldn't plug Bradley Beal in one for one. Um, but I, I think Bradley Beal's got a little bit more playmaking juice than we even see, because you know he just doesn't have the personnel. So yeah, I think they're all kind of in that same tier. And depending on what you have around them is you know what you're going to get. Uh, they're not going to they're not raising their their teammates necessarily to a championship level. But if you give them teammates that are good enough, I think that that they could pull it off, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense. It's really hard to just grab a guy out of context, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and say this is how they'd be in this situation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look at Trey the last couple of years. What's what's so funny is how quickly, like, really what we're talking about, and in some ways we're, we're kind of mixing back and forth between what we think and what perception is. And when you talk about perception, what's so funny about it is – there's so much what have you done for me lately in there, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. I mean, just so much in that point where, I mean, look, I, how wh- how recently was the last conversation about is Trey Young a winning player? Can you win with Trey Young? I mean, when they're 14 and 20, even before the playoffs, they have a nice run at the end of the year, and it's like, ah, but the Knicks are going to target Trey Young, and you're not going to be able to play he him. He was a coach killer they, three do, months ago, man. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. and now he's the darling. Yeah. This and is- you know what? Good good for him on leaning into being the villain. Hell too. yeah, man. He's a wrestling heel. We we talked about it on Nerder. Like he's great. He's selling tickets, dude. I mean, I actually think all the young guys are pretty fun. Um you know, Ja Morant has been great about this. Like this is Basketball is a shit-talking sport. You and I have talked about this a lot, and I love that these young guys are willing to go have some fun. And potentially get a little bit embarrassed, man. Like, you know, Trey Young does that little shimmy. He better make that shot. That's pressure. So if you can walk the walk, and you better be able to talk to talk. And and it's kind of cool that he's able to do that. So I love that he's leaning into that. Oh yeah, Trey. Trey is uh, Trey is loving the spotlight. Yeah, I think he's always played with that kind of swagger, though. Hundred percent. Like he's he was like that, and I was writing for the Norman transcript in Norman, Oklahoma, when he was going to high school in Norman, Oklahoma, 
and and he has he has always played with that kind of I don't give a crap I'm going to play the way I want to play no matter what he has he has always done that and it's uh in his worst moments that has been the reason for for causing those worst moments and uh it's it's also part of the reason the Hawks are up 1-0 in the conference finals at the time we're recording this thing uh yeah, I mean, I, I still think the, the Trey defense thing, the Trey defense thing, it's not a thing. I just, I think Trey's defensive weaknesses, which are, which, which are always going to exist yeah. because of his sheer size. I mean, he is, I don't care what he's listing at, I listed at, I have stood next to that guy. I am six feet. I'm taller than him. Uh, his sheer size. And he's like frail. You know, he's he's skinny. He, he looks like you could you could flick him and he propel forward. You know, that's that's part of how he gets to the line so much. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and he's always going to have obvious and exploitable defensive limitations. And he's not long either. So I tend to put him. I'm still more prone to putting him behind. Beal and Booker. I also think in spite of the Steph comparisons and the ballsy shots that he'll take, he's not that level of a shooter. Um, although Beal's jump shot, or I should say his three-point shot, his mid-range game is is excellent. But Beal's three-point shot has, like, it's not Booker's, I don't think. I mean, no. it's it's really fallen off. He's, he's 35 three years in a row now. I mean, at this point, I mean, Bradley Beal's at 35%. He shot below league average this year from three. League average was was about 37% this year. And he shot below league average from three. And and it's the third year in a row he's been right at 35%, uh, you know, give or take a tenth or two tenths of a point. And it's the third year in a row he's been there. So I think at this point we got to say he's a 35% three-point shooter. That being said, this also brings – you can't have this conversation without mentioning exactly what you just said regarding, well, he never plays with other shooters. So – He's constantly getting swarmed in a way that Booker can't get swarmed when he's on the floor with Chris Paul and Mikel Bridges and DeAndre Ayton and Jay Crowder because those guys can make a jump shot. And when you can help off of Russ, you can help off of Denny, you can help off of Rui, and you can help off of Gafford or Lopez or Alex Len, then uh, you know it makes things a lot more difficult for Bradley Beal. So... So, you know, that's that's something that that, yeah, the number says 35. It's been three years in a row. We have to say he's a 35 percent three point shooter. But you change the environment. You change the guys around him. And maybe it's 38. Maybe it's 39. I think that's a reasonable conversation to have, too. So, um, you know, I would put him ahead of young him versus Booker. What's also interesting with him versus Booker is that those are two guys where the eye test reflects on them so much better then the advanced numbers reflect yeah. on them. I mean, Booker's Booker's advanced numbers this year were not not bad in comparison to an average player, but in terms of all the people who maybe like were on my All NBA spreadsheet, for example, and I'm I'm pretty inclusive. We're just like, yeah, this this guy, maybe this guy, if there was an All-NBA seventh team, maybe i throw this guy on there. I am pretty inclusive with who I throw on my spreadsheets because I just want to get all the numbers in front of me, mm-hmm. and I want to be able to see that. And I don't vote 
just based on the numbers, but it's nice to be able to see it and and they can open up your mind to look at extra things that you didn't realize were there and that kind of stuff. And and I throw stuff on the spreadsheet and Booker's advanced numbers across the board are just so much worse than anybody else who was in the All NBA conversation this year. Um, and and Beals are 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 not great in comparison to where he's kind of ranked in the league as well. So I mean that's another interesting comparison. I think those two guys I'd put on a little bit of a different level than Trey, but Trey has, I mean, the dude is just playing elite winning basketball right now. It's, it's been amazing to watch him go through this. It's a, I think if the wizards could add like another guy who could shoot off the dribble. And I know that that's such a, if every team could add one of those guys, you know, obviously they would. Uh, but the Wizards just need that one more guy. And I suspect, you know, Bradley Beal loses some of the attention that he gets defensively. And maybe that three-point the three point number goes up a little bit. But three years is the only guy who's a real threat uh, from three off the dribble. 35% doesn't surprise me. A lot of those shots are tough, man. And I think that the quality of the looks need to increase. That you know, whoever they wind up hiring as the next coach, that needs to be their their main priority. How do we how do we make it so that you know when we're getting Bradley Beal the ball, we're getting him in a position where he actually is going to be able to get some open looks. Part of that's going to be you know they need Bertans to come back and be able to make shots. Um, but I, I really think that the, the bigger problem is just not having that other guy that's got any kind of shake, any kind of juice whatsoever with the ball in his hands. That, that's the thing that hurts Bradley Beal the most. Atlanta has that. You know, Bogdanovich, even hampered, is getting involved in the screens and, and taking the ball and actually doing stuff with it. John Collins' ability to put it on the floor a little bit helps them a, a, a lot. Um, and I just think when you look at the rosters – if, if you try to emulate what Atlanta did around Bradley Beal, it probably would work pretty well. Yeah. I mean, the big difference is Atlanta had the cap room to be able to sign Bogdanovich and sign Gallinari and make all those moves. And, uh, you know, the win, and they, and they kind of had young, they had the herders already. They had the Collinses already. And, the Wizards are just not set up in that way. The young players they've kind of pledged themselves to are guys who have to develop three-point shots and and don't have them. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how a new coach uses those those players too. You know, I mean, we talked all season about Denny Avdia's playmaking and how the Wizards just didn't use it. They put him... They put him in the corner and he had moments where he'd grab a defensive rebound and he'd go and we'd see a pass. We'd see him swing the ball around the perimeter. We'd we'd see him make these really nice uh, kind of within the rhythm of the offense, very quick hot potato bounce pass entry passes to guys in the post that would free them. Like it, it would almost the, the pass would open them up for looks. And, uh, you know, we saw that skill on display. And for the most part, it, it just wasn't necessarily used. So it's going to be really interesting to see how whoever the next coach is ends up using things. Speaking of which, by the way, uh, it was reported the Wizards uh, interviewed Scott Morrison, who's an assistant for the Celtics. I should have brought that up earlier, but, um, you know, I, my, my, the reaction in my Twitter is like, oh, my God, I've never even heard of this guy. It's like, that's... 
I have no opinion on Scott Morrison. I've heard good things about him. Yeah. Uh, but but I have no opinion on on how, what kind of a head coach he'll be. Just like I have no opinion on what kind of a coach Wes Unsell Jr. would be or what kind of a head coach Sam Cassell would be. Because how the hell can any of us know? I mean, how, Thank how you. can Thank any you. of us say with such definitiveness? Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody yeah. knows shit. Well, all we do is we ask people, right? Like I ask a lot. I talk to a lot of coaches. You know, I know a lot of coaches. I know a lot of video coordinators. I know a lot of scouts. And and I ask them about guys like uh, assistants all the time because, you know, you know, you're a reporter. You're way better at this stuff than I am. I want to know just from personality standpoint, what are these guys like? Because you can tell a lot about whether a guy's going to succeed about, you know, how easy they are to work with. And that's all we can know. We have no idea how someone that hasn't run a program is going to run a program. We have no track record to go on. And this is it is very frustrating as a guy who really is into the coaching scene and pays a lot of attention to who coaches are as coaches and as human beings and, you know, who's next on the list, like who are the next guys to get a chance. And people do a lot of projection, especially on assistant coaches, and they say, you know, this guy's been coaching for Greg Popovich for X amount of years. How many of those Greg Popovich coaches have won titles? There are a lot of really None good of coaches, right? Yeah. So, you know, people look at the Greg Popovich coaching tree, but they don't think about what that actually means. And, and so, you know, the, Scott Morrison interviewing for a job. Hey, I, I'm with you. I've heard really good stuff about him as a coach and just as a person. That's great. But we have no idea how he would be in that job. None whatsoever. Yep. I will I will say one thing that I like to see from an organization is when they go and they interview somebody who is a little bit out of the box. And Morrison's not like totally and completely out of the box. He literally just interviewed for the Celtics head coaching job. Like yeah, it's exactly. not this isn't he's a Brad Stevens assistant. He's a Nick Nurse assistant with with team, with the, the Canadian national team. And he's unknown. He just interviewed he's unknown to you, listener. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like right. this is a guy that um, people know. Yeah, but but you know somebody out of the box is like, I think that's good. That means you're you're doing your homework. Like if 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 a team just brings in one guy, or a team just brings in a couple of retreads and maybe Darvin Ham, who's interviewed for you know a bunch of other head coaching gigs before and is a well known and well respected assistant. It's like okay, are, is the search that innovative? You know, if you just if you just hire Jason Kidd a second after your coach leaves. And, you know, is that is that such a fantastically done search? Um, you know, I, I, I just I it could turn out great. I just I, I, I think that's probably a sign of, of good process. So, you know, we'll see. It's an interview. It doesn't mean anything. They're going to interview lots of people. Sure, it means something to Scott Morrison. It doesn't mean anything in terms of Scott Morrison becoming the head coach of the Wizards. I'm sure it'll go well. Anyway, Dave, let's wrap this up. You got anything to plug? No. I mean, The Athletic, right. please subscribe. It's very good. Go to the theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. Is that is that your link? Yes, and you can subscribe for three ninety yeah. nine a month. Yep. Uh, theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. You can uh, go on iTunes. You can 
Well, you can listen to Wizards After Dark wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. You can go into iTunes and leave a review. Uh, Give us five stars. The written reviews are always really helpful. I will be back with a new episode next week. Uh, Enjoy this one over the weekend. I'll be back soon. Talk to you guys then. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.